Welcome to another edition of the 16-Ounce Canvas, the art of craft beer podcast. My name is AJ Karens. I'm your host here each and every week as we do our part to introduce you to the artists from around the world who bring your favorite beers and breweries to life. We are very proud to announce this is episode number 24, Bente y Cuatro, a full case. So we're cracking the last one in the case, and it tastes just as good as the first. Episode 24 features Daniel Endicott from Forest in Maine, based in Ambler, Pennsylvania. We had the pleasure of sitting down with Daniel in 3D, in person, on location at the Forest in Maine headquarters. It was very exciting because the day we were there was the day they formally announced the expansion next door. So it's really great to, to see things over there, to, to go to their main building, the lovely Victorian house that definitely has some character, has some life to it. We'll get into that in the interview. And we sat down at headquarters in the offices and just chatted. It was really nice because as we'll get to and what we'll kind of hint at during the interview, different artists are available at different times. Daniel's unique in the fact that he's not only an artist, but he's a brewer there and he's an owner. So he kind of wears a lot of different hats. He's been really supportive. And, you know, many months ago when we were starting the idea out, I'd been introduced to Forest in Maine. And when I reached out to him, he was very supportive right away. And I know I've said that about other artists, but from the get-go, he's really been supportive online. He's, you know, active when we, we post about it. And he also... He listens, not just like a, he listens to me. He listens to the episodes, and I know he does, and it's really great, and it means a lot to have that. And so when we were talking, you know, he was on board from the jump, and he probably wouldn't have been our first, maybe in our first six-pack, but he asked if we could do it in person, you know, to show me around, to sit down and kind of connect in person. And so we tried different uh, times, and it just happened to work out about a month or so ago that I was on the road for work and so I routed that I would be able to be in the area and it worked out perfectly. Sat down, did the interview, you know, cracked the crowler and we were just hanging out, showed me some behind the scenes stuff and it was really just great. And so it's very fitting that our last, you know, twelve pack, last one of this series is with Daniel. It was a really great experience and hopefully uh, you'll enjoy it. To some administrative stuff. Remember, you can check us out online at 16ozcanvas.com. That's the 16-ounce canvas's online home. You can also find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. So if you're a social mediaite, we will be there with you. Just simply use the hashtag 16ozcanvas. Some great artists are already doing that now, and we thank you. If we had a cap on right now, we would definitely tip it to you. And it means a lot. And if you're checking us out, maybe via iTunes or one of your other uh, podcast directories, it would mean the world to us. Just if you would uh, take an opportunity to give us a rating, maybe even leave a review for us. Little things like that help to bump us up and get the word out to the masses. So each week we're growing, and it's because of folks like you who take the time to listen. It's Labor Day weekend, so hopefully maybe you're at a barbecue. So if you are, what's up, everybody? I'll have a cheeseburger. Maybe give me a little hot dog. You got to go mustard and ketchup on that one. I go yell mustard and ketchup. I don't know what your thoughts are on that, but that's where I'm at. 
Lindsay Tweed we were talking about earlier on. Got to go with the yellow mustard. So, if you don't agree, you don't agree. But anyway, like I said, episode number 24, we're closing out this 12-pack. Rocking off the case is a good one. My friend, Daniel Endicott, Forest and Main, 16-ounce canvas. Enjoy. That's good. All right. So, welcome to another edition of the 16-ounce canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast. I'm AJ, your host here, and this one is live and in person. We are here at Forest in Maine in Ambler, Pennsylvania, here with uh, Daniel Endicott, jack-of-all-trades, owner, brewer, artist, father, and I don't know what else other hats you have on, but... Uh, <laughs> that keeps me busy enough. Yeah, I was going to say, that's like seven <laughs> jobs right there, right. so we were just uh, talking about getting away to the beach and kind of being able to quote-unquote relax with the children, so... <laughs> Um, yeah, I just want to thank you for you know making me, uh, you know, inviting me here and welcoming me and kind of your your home away from homes, so to speak. It's my pleasure. Thanks for coming down. Yeah, and just as everyone at home, you know, this is gonna this is episode twenty four, but one of the you know great things, uh, you know, Daniel and I have been talking for a while, and early on when we first started, had the idea of the you know the sixty ounce canvas podcast. Right away, he wrote back and you know said he was very interested in being a part of it. And I think from that point, we both just kind of just decided it'd be better to, you know, do it in person. The enthusiasm was there. We thought it'd be really great to collaborate. And, you know, even a few weeks back, we talked about, you know, getting interviewed by the, the newspaper. That was thanks to, <laughs> thanks to Daniel. We, you know, we hit the cutting room floor, but that kind of was another, you know, sobering moment to kind of realize, wow, like people find what we're doing interesting and mm-hmm. to get to meet people like you. So, so thank you again. And, Thank you for doing what you're doing. It's really cool. I've, oh, I think it's great. I've enjoyed not? listening to all these interviews that you've done. Um, it's been great to hear other stories from people, how they got to where they were, where they where they are. You know, what they're trying to do with just what used to be simple beer artwork, it's now become something else, and it's very yeah. cool to see. Yeah, yeah. I think beer. that. Yeah, my my whole point is that I think that it's just really great to see that there is. Yeah, that is really artwork. It's not just you know. It's not just something you know, uh, a device to get drunk off of. Right. And I think that craft beer is an art. And so I think with that comes the, you know, the fact that, and the best part is, I mean, as an owner, it probably costs you more to put, you know, put on special labels, probably mm-hmm. costs you more to make, you know, go the extra mile in a weird way. When I was talking to one of the other guys recently saying it's, it was a little surreal over here when people started throwing away his art, you know, like the right, kids, right. you know? Yeah. And so it's nice. If you come down here, we're in the offices for Forest of Maine, you can see, there's kind of like uh, you know the the trophy wall of all, of all the crawlers, so I'm glad that you you know keep the mementos there. Oh, yeah. and, uh, I throw plenty away, but we keep right. keep one of each, you know. Yeah, exactly. So for those uh, scorned at home, give a little you know a little background about yourself, and we'll see where we go. So I uh, my partner and I started Forest to Maine in 2012. Um, it took about a year of renovations to open up. Um, prior to that, I was. Uh, mainly a home brewer, went to England and studied beer over there for a little bit, um, but before all of that, I went to art school, um, got my BFA from the Tyler School of Art, which is Temple's Art School, um, with a focus on glass blowing, strangely enough. Um, but uh, I went to school for painting, uh, took one class in glass blowing and had a blast doing it. Um, you work with other people, you can't do it by yourself, you know, you're not sitting in a studio at night painting by yourself. Um, so I really enjoyed that community aspect of it. And kind of stuck with it, and we're talking about like art, glass blowing, not pipes or bombs or anything. Um, 
not that there's anything wrong with that, but that wasn't what I was doing. Um, so, uh, graduated from there in 2005 and then kind of lived with my parents for a while, showed art downtown, tried to make it as an artist and never made quite enough money doing that. Um, and then got into making beer and never really looked back. Now, 10 years later, I'm doing both. Um, because of beer, you know, right. So I'm making more art than I ever ever had before, as a result of owning a brewery, which is pretty awesome. Um, I'm thankful every day that I can get to go to work and make both beer and art. Right, so. and the, the beer is kind of art in and of itself too, yeah. right? And I think that's the, mm-hmm. I think that's the beauty of it. You know, it's such a, you know, art can be so liberating, but you know, and li- beer's got to be very down to the recipe and the, right, right. So it's kind of the. But Very interesting. There's still a bit of magic and art to it, I think. You know, oh, I, def- I think now more than ever. Yeah. Some of these beers, you think, oh, this and that. How is that going to And you're like, right. oh. You're like, I have to try it, you mm-hmm. know, and I'm curious. I can definitely get my interest peaked on, you know, as a kid, I might, not eat, I might have been the most adventurous with my vegetables, but if you tell me you put it in a beer, I'm like, all right, right I'll, I'll give it a try. I like beers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's a good way to do it. Now, your, your art is very, you know, vivid. You know, you, you've a... Uh, use the watercolors how would yeah. you kind of describe your your style or your your aesthetic that word you know going right to the hard question yeah i think right <laughs> to it i think it was go right to um, it this this one kept me up at night last night but um, <laughs> <laughs> i knew it was the one i had to prep for um in terms of like a uh, actual style what it looks like you know i uh it's mostly watercolors and pen and ink um i embrace like the uh the loose nature of watercolor you know Colors bleed into each other. Um, there aren't hard edges sometimes, um, and uh, that's mainly with the new can labels, the old bottle labels, which I still do. They're kind of like another family or more pen and ink with watercolor mm-hmm. backing them up. Um, but uh, in terms of like, the ideas behind it, all those labels, um, which is what I think is more of the art instead of just the mechanics of it, um, which is like watercolor pen and ink. Um, it's more of like this running theme of like of life being sort of like a a stage play you know just not like a broadway sense but more of like a like an, an empty kind of stage like a samuel beckett play or a, a brecht play where there's just like this creepiness to it and it's like very lifelike you know things look real but there's just something off about them um so just sort of like that idea that, you know, things aren't always what they seem in the world, um, so if it looks, you know, when you go to see a play, it's supposed to be real, but you can, you know it's not real, it's, it's right. just like this, this life behind it, or this like, something else that's not, that you're not sure about, um, okay. and uh, yeah, some luck I get to put that on the beer label, and yeah, <laughs> get people thinking, yeah, um, now was that a deliberate choice, though, kind of the pen and ink? with the, the the bottles and the yeah i mean that's uh i mean if it i sort of have two ways of making art like i i still paint with oils at home but they're much different paintings than the watercolors these pen and inks um and I've, I've actually been thinking about doing some of that for beer labels soon but um in terms of like beer labels i, I consider them more like illustrations um mm-hmm. and pen and ink and watercolor just to my aesthetic better suited to that um a little more control a little it's it's also probably more historically accurate in my mind. I, was, I think beer label let go, kind of narrative illustration, which to me is pen and ink, watercolor. Um, 
so they just go, for some reason in my brain, that beer labels just kind of have to be that for me. Um, but, uh, was, uh, where was I going with that? <laughs> um, You're saying that? But deliberate choice, right? Is that what yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, that's just always the way I've kind of worked with, in my mind, what I envision beer labels being, which is this kind of old school, kind of like, cart uh, cartoon sounds bad, but like, almost like comic strips, you know, from like the 30s, 30s and 40s, when they're very highly detailed and a lot of cross-hatching and pen work um, that I really enjoy, like Arkham, if you know any of his illustrations. Um, and uh, just like very simple means to get very detailed um, drawings. And uh, so yeah, it's definitely a deliberate decision on my part to do watercolor and pen and ink for the beer labels. Now, you know, as we're here, the, the expansion of the brewery, you know, you kind of have a little more time early mm -hmm. on. You know, was that, that must have been a little much more difficult to find the time to do the art. It was. I mean, at, at that first couple of years, we ran the brewery and managed the restaurant. So I'd be here, four, I think, three or four nights a week until closing, um, which is probably another reason why pen and ink and watercolor made so much sense for these labels. I would sit in the office upstairs. Or mobility. And my office upstairs is a third of the size of this table. You know, I had that much room to work on these beer labels. Um, and yeah, I can pack them up in my bag, take them home, work on the dining room table, you know. Um, and ha having a daughter, you know, bopping around all the time, I can't really be doing oil paintings there. Yeah. Or, you know, it's, it's watercolors is something I can do with her, which is also exciting. Um, makes my work a little easier. Um, don't have to hide out in the attic painting. Um, and, uh, but yeah, it was, it was hard to find the time to do it when we opened up. Um, but strangely, I had a lot a lot of just downtime. You know, when you're running a restaurant, you're sort of just waiting for things to go wrong. So most nights, nothing goes wrong, you know? Right. Um, so I'd just be sitting upstairs, you know, just kind of keep an eye on things, and I would have quite a bit of time to actually work on them. Um, but I also didn't have much energy. <laughs> yeah. I'd been brewing and then managing, and so yeah, like tough. Yeah, how did you get into managing the restaurant? That seems like a whole other... Yeah, it wasn't easy. I mean, uh, Neither myself nor my partner were really restaurant people. Um, luckily, my wife set up most of that um, before we had our daughter. She ran the restaurant for like a year, um, so kind of passed it off to us. And we had assistant managers and everything, but we still closed the restaurant at night, so we're still the ones in charge till the end. Um, but like I said, you really just waited for something to go wrong. I mean, I'm not a server. I couldn't like manage servers and say, like, oh, you know, go wait on tables. But I was there, like if anything, someone needs to be kicked out or you right. know, whatever. Those kind of problems. Um, okay. So really just like babysitting the restaurant at that point. Um, and we're here today and it's exciting because if you go on Instagram for Forrest the Main, you know, the, the property next door, the expansion is happening. So when I pulled up, it was kind of like, oh, I've seen this somewhere. You know, <laughs> it was like right off the, you know, it was kind of, I'd already seen kind of a glimpse inside, which I think you guys do a really good job of kind of sharing the culture oh, and, the, and the, the vibe of that. So and in terms of art, that's, that's a pretty exciting project. I mean, uh, if you've been to the pub, it's like, in a Victorian house, it's kind of got these weird antiques everywhere. Yeah. It's got a very set vibe and aesthetic to it. But next door will be kind of polar opposite from that. Um, and just like bright colors, a lot of white, clean surfaces. Um, oh, exactly. No antiques. Um, so it's, it's pretty cool, like art project for me in terms of designing that and yeah, you know, filling that with stuff. Yeah, because because yeah, the current is very it's very intimate. Mm. And you definitely maximize all the space. Right. Yeah. So to have much. this massive, probably, you know, several times larger kind of openness to it. Yeah. 
It's pretty exciting. Although it's filling up very quickly, you know. Yeah, right. You're visually like, oh, and then you're like, well, yeah, this and this and this. Plenty of room for that. And you're like, where's this yeah. all gonna go? Right. We already need more space. So, but lots of wall space over there for art, which is exciting. Yeah. Now, is yeah. it gonna be rotating art, or is it gonna? We're not sure yet. Um, we're gonna design design a lot of things to absorb sound over there. A lot of hard surfaces. So I'm excited to be able to do some canvases that have foam behind them. Kind of hopefully absorb because we have live music over there. Um, oh, so okay. absorb some of that sound. Um, well, we have one longer wall that. We're thinking about doing rotating artwork um, from different artists, so um, it's pretty exciting for us. Um, and before we talk, you're from this. You're from this area, right? Yes. So yep. I, Grew up like ten minutes from here. Um, yeah. So one of the things it's I think it's very obvious is this community is very important to yeah. the brewery. You know, the office is right across the street. I mean, from a real estate perspective, it's like hitting the jackpot. I mean, <laughs> if you're trying to find a, an apartment near your family, you, you have no luck. But they have three buildings within, you know, <laughs> rocks throw of each other, maybe for some yeah. good snowball fights in the winter. <laughs> but then even, you know, if you're following along at home, you know, the, the expansion with the Crowlers, you know, mm -hmm. the, the local farmer's market. So it, it's very, it's very apparent to me, you know, the, how important the local community is. It's a great, it's a great space. There's, you know, there's boutique, you know, yeah. red dessert and food places around. I mean, it just seems like a really cool yeah, spot cool to, town. Yeah. to be part yeah. of, right? Yeah. Yeah, both for our business and our families. It's, it's been a lot of fun to live here and work here. Um, yeah, I think that's you ideal. Know. You know, you're, especially now more than ever, you know, back, you know, the importance of a, a good community and yep. you know, taking care of each other mm -hmm. to really to do that together. And, you know, a, I mean, I'm just jealous there's no commute. I have a bitch of a commute to work every day. So oh, just man. the fact that, <laughs> but just even that to be really able to, you know, I think a sense of community is extremely, yeah. extremely important. Yep. So. And, and having a you know, young children instill that you know kind of our, the roots of the future. Yeah, for sure. That's very now, cool. Yeah, and I read that you had uh, worked on kind of a A to Z children's kind of drawings. Yes, I just, yeah, I did a series about a year ago now. I started it just kind of on a whim. Um, right. Did like an animal themed alphabet series um, and released it in prints. It's going to do a book. Still, probably will do a book. Um, okay. But Making a book is a lot more work than yeah. getting prints made. Yeah, and I think there are, some of the prints are up on your site, right? DanielEndicott.com. Yep. Yeah. yeah, so I have in the still, shop. still some of those prints available. Um, a few of the originals are still available. Um, but, yeah, that was a lot of fun. Um, just have, you know, having a daughter at home, it's, it's always fun to do artwork that she gets excited about. Um, you know, the can, can artwork, she's, you know, kind of, right. uh, you know, not at all excited about. Um, aside from the fact that just, some of them are blobs of color and... Yeah. Looks like she could have done them, but uh, that's what we need for one week. You're like, and just kind of slip it in there and like, yeah. just mention it, like, not say anything. <laughs> oh, actually, I one of them, um, I did a drawing, I would draw like outlines of animals for her to paint in, yeah, um, in the mornings. And I drew this, she asked me to draw a tiger, and I drew a tiger, and it was like the most absurd looking animal in the world. Um, so I <laughs> turned that into a crowler label, so it was kind of artwork for there you what go. she did. Um, yeah, right? But, uh, must, yeah, as a, my kids and I have no uh, artistic ability, <laughs> so I'm not asked to draw anything in the mornings. But I've seen like people have to you know, draw in their kids' lunch bags and all yep. that. So be, uh, <laughs> never stop. The way they draw is pretty magical. I mean, I, I don't think I could draw like my daughter draws if I would try right. to. Like, uh, just the way they see the world and simplify things to like three shapes. Pretty awesome. Yeah, it's like those yeah. huge legs. And yeah, then exactly. Like the little body and like. It's hilarious. And you and you think you know who you are, and you. I always end up being the really, the one I never thought I would be. I'm exactly. Like, yeah. That's Daddy, right? Oh no, that's not Daddy. That's Joe. It's like, or like a new character's in there. You know yeah. who that kid is? Like, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, as an artist, how has having you know a daughter changed kind of your your perspective on things? It's been huge, I think. I mean, uh, first and foremost, it makes me much more efficient with my time. Um, <laughs> I think that was amazing for me to realize. Um, you know, I'm not gonna have any time to do anything after I have a kid. No, you have less time, but more time in a way. You know, yeah. that hour free time you have in the morning, you make the most of that hour. And, it's amazing. You know, um, but then also, I think in just in terms of your view on the world, it just kind of changes a lot of a lot of things because you, you know, especially as they get to be a little older. Like she's four years old now, so she's starting to think about things more than you know. Two-year-old or something like just learning about dinosaurs and all this other stuff, and just the perspective they have on stuff like that. Like she understands death, I guess, because she knows things aren't dinosaurs aren't here anymore, but in her mind they live under the ground, you know. Yeah. So she's like, she just says stuff like, "Walk, we're walking on dinosaurs every day." We're to like start to think about the world through her eyes, and it just kind of get all different imagery and right. just a huge appreciation for life, um, and just excitement for things. Um, then I think carries over the art, you know. Um, I could probably look at the art I've done since she's, in the last like two, or two years when she's been more involved in the artwork with me, where just like more vibrant colors, just right. more playfulness. Right. And, you know, so I think it's been, it's had a huge impact on my art. Yeah, I, I just think as a, as a human, it's made me appreciate, slow down a little more you're yes. saying. Yeah. I mean, I tell the story a lot, but just Grand Central is like one of the busiest places on earth. Mm -hmm. And I'm in New York City a lot. And I'm in the Grand Central, but it's kind of as quick as I can. And I'll never forget the first time we took our son there. Like, yeah. that look of pure. Oh, yeah. Like, just completely un like unfiltered amazement. Yep. And it was like, wow, I just take something for granted all the time. Exactly. You know? Right? Just walking down the street, the stuff that she notices. And yeah. That I, would, I would just walk by, or, you know. Yeah. yeah, like, they were psyched. It was like, I was like, oh, it's pouring rain out. And they were like it's raining out like and I was like oh, oh okay and they like you know they went and got their rain boots yeah and they could play in the puddles for hours <laughs> yeah they know how to have fun that's for sure yeah I think yeah awesome. I think everyone should be like a babysitter or have it yeah at least you know, if you don't have kids I totally get it but <laughs> yeah right it'll save you a few a few gray hairs yeah plenty of those now what made you decide to you said you you know were home brewing and then you spent some mm -hmm. time you know, abroad, what made you kind of decide to take the big leap? Uh, I think it was always, always my goal, you know, ideally I kind of wanted to work somewhere else first and then open my own place, but um, when I came back from England I was I couldn't find a job anywhere brewing. I didn't really want to move cross country or to another right. state. Um, I had liked, you know, being around family, friends, and so since my goal was always to do my own thing, I just decided, and I had some money set aside for it. Um, I was just kind of decided to go for it. Um, and my partner, Jared Olson, was working at a brewery at the time, McKenzie Brew House. Um, so we decided to partner up. And uh, I felt much better with him on board, you know, not having had the actual professional experience. Uh, you know, he had that side of it covered. So I felt better going into it then. Now, how did you um, team up with him? We were friends. Um, I knew him through my brother. He and my brother were friends. Um, we're pretty much the same age. He's a little older, older than me for, I think, like six months out of the year. Um, and when my brother knew him, I knew he was homebrewing and started working at McKenzie's. And so whenever I'd see him, um, I would just, we'd always talk about homebrewing, um, the beers we're making. Um, and that was sort of the 
seed to our friendship. I mean, just over the years, kept in touch over homebrewing, and then uh, when I was ready to open my own brewery, I kind of started bouncing ideas off him, and then one day we were just, why don't we, you know, he said, I think I've got some money, I, you know, mm-hmm. want to just do this together, and it was sort of perfect, um, and uh, yeah, since day one, it's been great, um, and the beers are both really into I was I, can't, I brought the English beers to the table, that was really my, my real area of, you know, expertise or what I was into, and he was more the Saison guy, so mm-hmm. I felt like those beers kind of, those two families kind of complement each other very nicely. Um, yeah. And it's kind of like lower alcohol, sessionable beers that go well with food. Um, right, yeah, I think, yeah, and, uh, I think, yeah, I think those type of beers I've come to, especially with kids, right, I think, mm-hmm. I think you really appreciate that yeah. when you can have a, a bottle of beer and not exactly. have to worry, that, like, <laughs> right. yeah, so I think that's been really great, and yeah, I came to learn of you guys, I trade I trade and some guys in the Philly area and um, one of the guys Ted threw in a you know, oh, yeah. bottle and Tedge. yeah he's a good mm-hmm. dude over he works over tired yep. hands now and he's got Northern Liberties and I was kind of like wow I, I that, again that was like the like the kid in me it was like mm-hmm. I had no expectation I had no yeah, idea yeah. and now it's you know now compliments to you guys but you guys are mm-hmm. you, know, you guys are hopping so it's not as not as easy to get your beers anymore, but you know it's all, all good. I know a guy now, so yeah, yeah, I'll make sure to send you some. But um, yeah, no, I think it's just been really, really great, and I think the house to the expansion of that big place—it's for me, it's very metaphorical. You know, kind of the expansion, and, yeah, yeah, and the growth of everything. Yeah, it's been—I mean, like I mentioned earlier, it's pretty cool that I get to do both of my passions now, um, and they're—they're they're so intertwined too. I mean, it's you know the whole house is sort of like an art project in a sense, where you know, yeah. We, we were very meticulous about how we decorated it and you know you kind of and to go back to what I was talking about my kind of aesthetic being like the theater of life I think that house is sort of like embodies a lot of what I the imagery I use in my artwork like these old wood floors right. creaky wood floors and creaky chairs and kind of like ambient lighting and you know, I think you get lost in that house for hours. Yeah, just, and a, each room has a different. Tiny, but yeah, each room has like I feel like has a. I mean, mm-hmm. I was only in there briefly, but it feels like each room has like a little, yeah, little story to it, or like a, yeah, like a, a spirit animal or something that goes with it. You know, yeah, it's sometimes just, I sort of miss having that place to myself. Um, sometimes, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't often go and just hang out, sit at the bar, and have a beer. You know, it's uh, not. It's gonna sound like I'm like a rock star or something, but it's like it's. Someone will always end up talking to me about beer. Right. I sit down and have a beer there. Um, and sometimes I just want to like take a book and sit and enjoy that space. Yeah. You know, but it's sort of difficult to do now. Um, yeah. But. I can see that. No, you don't sound. You just sound. <laughs> well, because sometimes it's just like you said, you value those minutes. Sometimes I get 15 minutes. Yeah. It's nice. And we are back. You're listening to episode number 24. Daniel Endicott, Forest of Maine, right here on the 16-ounce canvas. What do you think, folks? See, we don't get to do as many of these in person, but I really do enjoy them. I think maybe from a technical standpoint, we'll probably look to improve uh, the audio, have multiple tracks for that. We usually do two tracks, and we're able to edit the different pieces of it, my vocals and then the, the artist's vocals. So I do notice a little bit of a difference, but I think it's natural, it's it's intimate, it's honest, and it's it was a lot of fun just to kind of sit there and do the interviews. They're definitely harder to do in person. I think that you have to look at each other and, you know, kind of 
gleefully look into each other's eyes. No, I'm sorry. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, sorry. But yeah, we're definitely looking to, to find a nice happy balance with that in the future. And we'll definitely, if you're a gearhead or a tech geek out there and you got some recommendations, you know, we'd love to, to hear from you. We currently use the Black Yeti from uh, Blue Mike, which is kind of funny. I use the Black Mike from Blue Mike. But that's been our really our go-to, and we love it. So we're definitely looking to expand our setup and see what the future holds for us. But one cool thing that's happening, it is the month of September, and we mentioned it last week on the episode, is that we are teaming up with our good friend Robbie Davis at RobbieDavis.com. But he also does work with Against the Grain, one of my favorite beers, Bo and Luke. And this month we're doing the September Doodle or Die. So what that is, if you go to my Instagram or Robbie's and even on the website, and we're going to probably get a domain, look for 16OunceDoodleOrDie.com. But if you go to that, you'll see that there's the hashtag is there. But we have a list of 30 words. Remember, 30 days in September, April, June, and November. So there's 30 words, and you will see them. And basically what happens is each day, if you choose to participate, we have a different word of the day. And you just go there, and simply as simple as that. So you go, you go to your Instagram account, you doodle however you do get your doodle on, and then you hashtag it up, and you know it'll be all seen by the, the community. So everyone's going to be participating, like I said, 30 words. So we'll start up, we'll give you the first kind of seven. So we have selfie, letter S, Road trip, eclipse, 16 ounce, luck, and hops. That's the first through the seventh. And yeah, we'll see what happens. Maybe we'll get some cool art out of it. Maybe we'll use some of them to make t-shirts. We are looking into making shirts for everyone. So definitely stay tuned. We are brainstorming. We're trying to take this slowly, not, you know, jump the gun, organically grow. And it's been, been moving, 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 moving. So it's going to sound nerdy, but we finally have more people following us than we're following. So if, to me, that's always really cool. You see a lot of folks who are, are boasting, I have thousands of thousands of followers, but they follow like five or six times more people than they follow. So to me, this is very natural. We're not trying to force anything. We're trying to grow. And at the same time, the really key part is we're just trying to introduce you to new artists from around the world now, worldwide. Love it. Yeah, it's pretty sick. We just interviewed uh, Jake Alexander, seller maker. He was actually in London, so he's technically not an international artist, but he was an artist who was international when we spoke to him. You know, we had Warren. We got Carl coming up. So we got a lot of cool things that are in the works. You know, Vincent's uh, next week's episode. So don't go anywhere. Enjoy. But without further ado, we're going to get back into it. This is part two. Daniel Endicott, Forest in Maine, 16-ounce canvas. Yep, go. Listen. Go. Now I'm noticing this office, a lot of open walls and stuff that. Well, it's relatively new to us. Okay. Um, yeah, we just uh, got in space in June, so. Okay. Okay. Long. Okay. So it started to fill up walls. Uh, you know, we've got. I've actually got my parents are moving, uh, so I have a lot of old paintings at my parents' house that need to find a new home. Of yours? Yep. So. Uh, now, were your parents supportive of? Oh yeah. Uh, always. Yeah, they let me live at home for like five years and. Well, mm-hmm. I tried to make money. There you showing go. Art, um, oh, completely supportive. I mean, there's never, never a question if I want if that's, you know, I was in art from, you know, probably kindergarten on. Um, so there was never any doubt of support from them. Um, 
So like, yeah, go do it. You know. Yeah, I think that's important. Right? Yeah. Like, I think every model that we've that's always been that's kind of been fed to us, you know, I think has been broken in the last, you know, in our lifetime. Mm -hmm. I think our parents' lifetime. If you just if they're you know, assuming an artist, right? That'd be you know, that'd be a little crazier. But now it's with the accessibility of people, you can be yeah. here in Ambler and you probably have people buying. Yeah, know, it's amazing. Know, artwork. I, I often, I don't, I don't sell that much art online, but I don't know how. I mean, I see a lot of these people I follow on Instagram where they have like twelve thousand followers, and that seems like they have a really good career just selling art. Yeah. Through Instagram, pretty much, um, which is amazing. I don't know how people did it before. Um, I don't. Yeah, I, I was just thinking. Yeah, because the yeah the interview we did recently, she was like, I don't even know how they found me. Right. She's like not a big computer person. Yeah, the yeah. only time she uses a computer is to scan it and send it, okay. not any work. So she's right. like, so it's just wild to me. Yeah, it's pretty amazing. And then just the, the community of fellow artists you have where you know, get ideas from other people. I mean, I'm quote unquote friends with so many artists on Instagram that right. I might run into occasionally here and there. Um, you know, but you can share ideas with them or just get inspired from them. Right. Um, and but all from the comfort of your own home. You know, it's it's nice. Pretty cool. Yeah, keep um, your feet up and just like. Yeah, right. I'm just wow. Yeah. Or I always like the, the you know the path you end up on. You're like, how? Right, someone right. writes a comment, like, oh, let me see what that person is. Exactly. It's like, oh, they're an artist, and what do they do? Yeah. And it's like, how they do that? Like, I was somebody was like a wood carver, and mm -hmm. it was like that was amazing. Some of the mediums yeah. that people use, you, oh, know, you think yeah. like, how is that? How's even possible? Which I mean, is another testament to the internet because you can find out how to do anything nowadays. You know, yeah. If you want to learn how to carve wood. Yeah. Online and like, you know. Yeah, I, I'd be. I'd probably have a few extra. I'd probably be. Uh, yeah, right. Sure. Like yeah, like UHF and be like you know, <laughs> Mr. Butterfinger. But you can find out exactly how to do it if you want to do it. You know, what you need to buy, all that stuff. It's pretty awesome. Um, the things you can learn now with the internet and the people you can meet. <laughs> oh yeah, I remember. I remember the uh, the AOL days. My mind was blown for that. I'd wait. I'd wait oh, like yeah. a half hour to download a song. And, right, right. You know. <laughs> now. How is the process when you create the like the labels? Does it, do you have an idea? Is it correlated to the type of beer? It does, yeah. Well, it's different for the bottles and the cans. Um, right. The bottles definitely correlate to the beer. So we most of those bottles spend months in, in wine barrels. Um, right. You know, so we brew like a, a saison with an idea for a beer. Um, probably half the time it's like a basic saison. The other half it's maybe got something different added to it. Um, and then it spends a lot of time in wine barrels, and Jared tastes them throughout their evolution in the barrels and uh, gets an idea for where they're going and we'll talk about the beer, you know, um, he'll kind of relays. Well, I'll, I'll sample them on occasion, but he's more like the, the barrel guy. Um, so he relays some ideas about the beer to me and we'll kind of okay. just form this picture of like, this beer is like brighter, like more lively, this one's like a darker, you know, and that'll give me a little pathway and then um, We'll just kind of trade ideas, and uh, oftentimes we'll end up with like the scene for the beer. And, you know, this beer has like you know a woman sitting in a chair drinking a beer, you know, and we'll leave it at that. And a couple days later, I'll come back with a sketch, and nine times out of ten, it's Jared's like that's exactly what I was picturing. Um, so it's a pretty cool kind of partnership we have in, in that I'm doing the physical art, but the brainstorming is a lot of the cool. two of us doing it. Um, and then uh, within those bottled labels there's a there's a story that's being told um so we have like this big framework of you know characters and how they're interacting so we sort of know like oh yeah we want to do a beer or a label for this beer soon where like so and so interacts with 
so-and-so and tells this side of the story. So there's a, a little framework for the, the bottle labels in terms of like narrative, that, bigger narrative that we're trying to tell. Um, so do you, do, you name, do you have names for the characters? We do, yeah. Um, there's like a whole family tree. That, yeah. Um, no one but Jared I will ever see. Um, uh. But uh, yeah, so we started with these bottles. Like the first two that we released five, almost six years ago now, I guess, were, were like the mother and father of this family. Um, and they lived in the attic of the house. And if you'll see certain beer labels, like there are parts of the house that you can recognize and other characters that reappear. and. Um, It'll eventually all come together, and you know, right. try to do some cool book with it. Um, yeah, is there, what's but, the what's the overall theme of the story? Uh, sort of like good good versus evil, but you're not really sure who the good or the evil are at that point. Um, it's also like family, like a brother and sister, get separated and end up fighting each other without knowing they're really fighting each other. Um, hmm. And it it all stems from this, like uh, we had this Reiki master come and like cleanse the house before he opened. Um, and she told us these, about these characters that she saw living in the house. Um, so, whether or not you believe Reiki masters and like that spiritual side of it, they're arguably based on real people. Um, okay. So, <laughs> a little spiritualism there. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's pretty cool and creepy. Um, Jared's into more of that kind of like Reiki healing right. stuff. Um, I want to say a cult, but I don't really think it's a cult. Um, no. But uh, so when, right when we signed the lease for the house, he brought them in. And they spent like three hours burning sage and sensing different beings right. in the house. Um, so it's pretty cool, but also kind of creepy. Um, yeah, well, I think it's I think it's interesting that we both kind of are different perspectives of it. So it probably yeah. helps the story go. Yeah, yeah, for sure. To not all you know not all be on the same path, yeah. so to speak. And <laughs> exactly. And then, again, it's not a, yeah it's not a religious podcast, but whatever whatever gets you going <laughs> or whatever right. makes you want to be a better person. Yeah. I mean, you can call it whatever you want, right? Mm-hmm. That's how I look at it. Yeah. And then the uh, the Crowler labels are all, they're much more just, I do a whole bunch of artwork. Kind of like, these are, some of these, like I was saying, are like stuff that I'll do in the morning over coffee, you know, just at home. It's no, no idea that this will ever be a can label. I just do random watercolors or, or watercolor paintings for myself. And then every two, I guess it's like every two months, we order like 10 labels at a time. Um, I'll just kind of, go through all my recent paintings and pick out like I like this one and, you know these will be labels I'll scan them in and then we'll print them and uh, then we have like a whole bunch of those made ahead of time so when we make a different IPA every week we'll taste the IPA and it's like oh this you know it's all just kind of you know there's no, no no real reason this one beer should fit this one label but it's like ah oh, this beer kind of tastes like that label looks a little bit you mm-hmm. know um, so we'll just kind of work down from our 10 labels that we have each week. Like, <laughs> down to your one. Like, yeah, exactly. Well, like, this one is going to be <laughs> this one. <laughs> it does happen like that. I'm always last minute like, all right, we need labels next week. I so, it's like, all right, um, one, yeah. okay, here you go. <laughs> Tastes nothing like it, but that's the one. Yeah, this is our darkest one. We have this vibrant <laughs> thing. All right, here right. we go. The leftover uh, IPA. It's pretty cool to go from like the, the bottles where it's so structured and like this, this is like, and I'll spend like several days doing one label for bottle. Um, Whereas I can make like five labels for cans in one day, you know, because they're much more ephemeral and playful and, you know, um, they're not really telling us a, a story or, you know, they're not, they're not illustrations per se where, you know. Well, yeah, knowing there's this whole like family life thing, that's a lot of pressure. Yeah, exactly. To keep that story going. Yeah, 
but it's it's fun. I mean, it, we've got a lot of it figured out. So, so it, yeah. For a while, I was like, all right, well, what side of the story should we tell now? Where should this character go? But now that we have like the actual tree in place, we know like. Did you have like a secret like vaulted book that like we do, yeah. Yep. <laughs> I like that. Like one of those I mean, special key like yeah, right, we should. puzzle um, boxes. <laughs> it's under the floorboards. Yeah. yeah. But that, would add, for, that would um, add to the creepiness. Yeah. What is it? A uh, telltale heart? Is that what it is? Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, it's really for like our own. Let's not do that. <laughs> brains, so we don't get too confused. You know. We right. Had to, at one point, we just had to write it down. Like, All right. Can't try and sit down and figure it out. Do you have a time. family tree type thing? Like, we do, do you yeah. Have, yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Um, that is pretty cool. Yeah. Now, so taking your your watercolors and getting them mm. onto the crawlers. Those are mostly at gone. Uh, like that one, for instance. That one, it's scanned in, and then I do alter them sometimes in Photoshop. That one's pretty heavily altered, um, mm -hmm. where I'll just uh, kind of selectively copy something, like all the leaves on that one, copy and then paste, and just do multiple layers of leaves and kind of change the saturation and hue on some of them. Right. Um, but some of them are just strictly straightforward watercolors as I did them, you know, no alter alterations. Um, and uh, that's sort of just another le level of the kind of playfulness I have with those labels where um, they can be actual physical paintings or they could be completely made up from different parts of, like sometimes I'll just do like random splashes of watercolor and fill up a whole page with different shapes and stuff and then scan that all in and select different shapes and mm -hmm. you know paste them on top of each other, blow them up, shrink them down. Um, so it's pretty cool. It's like a whole another way of making art for me. Um, right, yeah. And it's like, I'm very old school and, you know, for the beer label, the bottle labels, they don't see anything, you know, it's all like tracing paper and, um, you know, the pen and ink and watercolor and if I mess something up, it's the whole label's trash and I start over again. Um, to, to go from that to then like sometimes creating entire labels from nothing in Photoshop is, is kind of weird for me, but yeah. also very liberating. and. Yeah, I feel it's a big like duality. A lot of stuff you do, you have like your structure and your, right, right. Even if, you know, you and Jared kind of together, you have your different yeah. perspectives. But it sure, seems sure. to kind of mm -hmm. it all kind of works itself it's together. Maybe another result of having a four-year-old daughter now. I think like I've always loved abstract art and the chaos. Never, <laughs> never really got my head around making it until recently. Um, and maybe that's a result again of having a daughter and just like having that different worldview and you know, embracing accidents and yeah. you know um, also having less time to work so you, you know, yeah. yeah I think that kind of spurred me on to make more abstract art um, so yeah, it's like a nice exhale sometimes right you just kind yeah, of yeah, like it's exactly. like oh and I can just hit control Z a couple times and try it again yep. and it's yeah it's, it's very cool and definitely achieve things I could never do and with just watercolor on paper you know by mm -hmm. Photoshop and stuff and building layers and it's pretty cool do you paint every day Watercolor, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I haven't been oil. I haven't done oil painting in almost a year. You know, just been too busy with work. And uh, I used to paint in the mornings, and then when I stopped managing the restaurant, I switched to more of a nine to five. So I have less time to paint in the mornings unless right. it's watercolor at the dining room table. Um, but I try and make some art every day. Um, yeah, that's awesome. It's pretty. Yeah, keeps me singing, I think, and you know, it's fun. And then it just. In terms of crawler labels, it just build up more of a library to pull from right. when it's that crunch time and I need So it's kind of like your yeah. my forest the main art. Yeah, yeah. Like, okay, right. I'll, I'll use it at some point later. Exactly. Yep. Um, which is, I mean, it, listening to other artists talk 
on your podcast. It's like I feel sometimes very unique in that like I could never be a graphic designer. I'd never be for hire. Um, like if you had a brewery right. and said, "Hey, won't you do my beer labels?" Like, no way. I can't. Like yeah. I'm just I'm not a graphic. I'm not a designer. You know, I I'm kind of good at doing what I do and nothing else. Um, yeah. So I could I could never like switch gears and design something for another brewery that looked totally different. It just like I it wouldn't wouldn't be very good first off and I don't think it would work um, yeah. for me so it's just like sort of everything I guess I was getting to the point where like if every piece of art I make sometimes ends up being farce to main labels or whatnot it's kind of a weird notion but that I don't think it's weird to me in that like sort of everything I do is just farce to me at this point right yeah um, it's all just genuine like decorating the house is genuine doing all this is it just like I make the imagery that is farce to me and so it's like in some sense, everything I make could one day be forced to main imagery. Um, yeah, in a way, it's, it's not weird to me. Yeah, what you're saying is like you couldn't do it for commercial. And I mean, I way obviously, forced to main is commercial, but right. it's more, it's just, it's a different, it's part of who you are. And that's right. what I was saying about the community and being mm-hmm. here. It's not just, oh, we got this, the biggest space. You know, we got, it's like, we got the space that's here and it right. literally is an extension of our yep. foundation. And it's all, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like a nice little universe, yeah. which makes all makes sense. But yeah, I think when we talked to Max, who we were talking about before, with Black Hog, he said it was really hard for him to do commercial stuff. Mm-hmm. And the only reason, I, th- I feel like the only way it made sense for him was because he did have a personal buy-in with the, the people. Okay. Like it came the food and all that thing. So, right, right. But he said, commercially, I can't do really, mm-hmm. I don't do anything else. So it's like, it's been, he's trying to get himself up to that. But yeah. I think it's because it's become less and less com- truly commercial for them. Right, right. So it's, yeah, it's... It's pretty cool to see that, I think beer labels in general are going less and less commercial. Um, they're still commercial, they're still trying to sell a product, and in right. a way, they're commercial because I think they're trying to fight against the old standard design mm-hmm. aspect. But it's pretty awesome to be able to exist in a time where you can make art to sell something that's not really like old school ad design work, you know? Yeah. Um, and that stands out on the shelf now, which is pretty cool. Yeah, I still haven't figured a way to like keep them. Like, so that's why right, I've been right. trying to get like prints or little mm-hmm. things here and there, or, like scrag, because it's they're front. They have beer in them, and they sit around after you know. It's either I don't drink the beer. Right, right. Uh, I did do that once. I kept the in Connecticut. We had the Gandhi bot, and there uh, that was the whole like it was a disaster. Like legally, they mm-hmm. had to change it because there's uh, right, they thought it was that. like making fun of you, know, Gandhi. Right. So I still have one that's with the original, nice. but. I still always look at it like, well, I didn't drink you, huh? Like, what, what, what was yeah, I thinking? So, yeah. <laughs> That's good. But yeah, it was nice to see. If you're, you're here in the office, they have a, it's like, like I said before, it's kind of like a wall of crawlers, and it's just nice. Yeah. I took a picture of it, so I <laughs> snuck down the way to the bathroom. <laughs> but yeah, it's fun there. I have very few words on them. I mean, it's, I think that it's, and I see that in more and more cans, you know, where right. it's like the, the typography is less and less in a lot of cans. and. Uh, but you still know like that's that's an other half can, you know. It's, it's right. Or um, trying to think of some other ones where the name of the brewery is not big from the center. You know. Yeah, I think I, I like that. I like either the story. I like how the mm-hmm. like when they have characters and they all kind of involve with each other. Or yeah, it's not. It's like somebody said like you already, especially when it's a brewery only release to me. Like mm-hmm. there's no need to be like beer company, beer company, right, beer exactly. name. You know, it's like mm-hmm. you're at the brewery. You already were there. You know why you're there. Yeah. 
So yeah. I, I think that's, I think I find, find that really interesting. Which is another, like we, you know, you used to have to design stuff to sell the product. Yeah. And now it's almost like we have a captive audience. They're coming here to buy this, whether we put like the most hideous label on it or yeah. not. Like they're going to buy it. And not always. It's, we're not, you know, we don't have the lines around the block, but people want our beer. And so it's cool to be able to put pretty much whatever imagery you want on there. Yeah. And it's, you know, it does go a long way towards selling the beer, you know, especially with Instagram and posting a couple of days before, people get excited about it. Um, but it certainly breaks the paradigm of the old, you know, design this to look appealing and get the customer to buy it. Or, right, because a lot of the folks we're talking to, they don't even have to go, like, they don't go and consider a, uh, a traditional shelf. Right. So, exactly. I mean, the, one of the ideas mm -hmm. of, the, of the, the, the podcast was that standing on the shelf, but now even the distribution model, which I mean, you think that, yeah. that's been broken all these other industries, right. and now for beer, the idea of going mm -hmm. and leaving with, leaving with a fair amount of beer and having the intimacy of buying it from the person who maybe made it yeah. or one step away, and it's super fresh. I mean, all those things. So I, mean, I think that's, it just shows that level of appreciation and detail right. on all aspects of it. Because yours are really a lot of colors. And is there any limitations or because they don't go to the TTB, no, yeah, you're we, not limited with colors? No, and uh, the printer we work with is, is awesome. Uh, Blue Label out of Ohio. Um, there are no limitations and they're all digitally okay. printed. So. Um, yeah, I forget who it was that was listening to the can. They were talking about cans. Um, what brewery was that even? Pipeworks, I think? Yes, yeah. Like, talking about the yeah. limitations of colors and now you have to design you're, this. You're cringing? Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it just, yeah, I would like, curl up in a ball <laughs> if I had to think about that. Um, especially because I do mostly watercolors. Where, like, I think it'd be amazing if you're a couple, you, know? you did like a week, if you have like a really rough month, because they're all like black and white, like grays. <laughs> yeah. Like, uh, I would lose it. What's Daniel? What's wrong with Daniel? <laughs> <laughs> but because uh, I've been thinking about doing more like uh, kind of like gig poster style prints of some of my labels, but they really just don't transfer to that. Right. Um, the watercolors. Um, so then I've been thinking about designing some to be specifically like three color printed. Yeah. But I really haven't wrapped my head around that yet. Um, yeah. There's a video. Yeah. Dan Blakesley. He's a, he plays and he posted a video of him doing a screen printing like a okay. time lapse. I was like, how could you like how how do people do that? Like and then you yeah. show the end result and it's beautiful. I know, right? And I was like it's time lapse and I was like, that's so yeah. long and it was you know, the racks. I have a good, good friend who lives he's right in town here and owns a print shop, so he he can help me do all that, but right. I still need to like design it so that he can do it. You know, I yeah. can't just give him something. Alright, do it, you know. Oh yeah. Um, I didn't even think about so, that one. Yeah. So I still need to do my part of it. I think computers have made that a lot easier nowadays where you can select colors. Layers. You know, I think old school three color printing really boggles my mind. Where yeah. You, know, you had to do like three different images and yeah. Like you said, yeah, because I, I, when I go to like a lot of, you know, when I go to shoot, not as much now obviously with the free time and the kids, but we used to go to shows all the time and I buy gig mm -hmm. posters and it'd be like hand printed and yeah. like that never really carries much weight with me until yeah. I've really seen some of the behind awesome. the scenes. Mm -hmm. Going back to you can see anything on the internet. I mean, I like to look at just like how things are made. There's a whole, yeah. there's always good ones, like the videos where you're learning, but the kids are like watching with you. You can watch right, it. Right. That's cool. Yeah. Check those out. Yeah, it's like how things are made. You know, nice. Like, and it's it's incredible. But yeah, just that poster is almost like yeah, man, I should re you know calibrate which ones I have, which ones you know, and kind of look at them. It's pretty impressive what some people do with just limited palette and you know yeah. just 
just black and white. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I really like black and white too. And yeah, which is, um, I think I like watercolors a lot. I'm, I'm, I'm colorblind, but I really right, right. the vividness like mm-hmm. that doesn't that doesn't I don't lose that. So okay. I think that's really nice. good. Yeah, it's usually with your 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 color palettes, they work for me. So I think that's why I was nice. also drawn to it. Also, nice. yeah, or maybe they don't, and I don't really care. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I always say. I don't I don't really it's not it's not restraining me in any of my right, uh, right. Any of my my day to days. So, did with your would you do always when you were always doing art was it always a smaller? No, size? I used to do like really big paintings, um, which is why they're still all at my parents' house. Um, yeah. In their basement. Yeah. Um, but yeah, pretty big, four foot by five foot type paintings. Um, and I still for the, my oil paintings I do bigger paintings, not not as big as that anymore. Right. But um, but watercolor mainly like do smaller work. Um, just. Mm-hmm. Just the nature of watercolors, I always have to turn the page around a little bit to get water bleed this way or that way. So smaller size is much easier. Um, and for the beer labels, I just like to work in like a two to one ratio. Um, I think it is. Okay. So it's just double the size of what the actual label ends up being. Um, just still pretty small, six by seven, I think it is. Um, and uh, just for pen and ink, I, you know, anything much bigger would kind of make the process that much longer and okay. um, and more tedious. Um, but I do a lot of like tiny cross hatching and real fine pen work. So small is just you know, better suited to that. Um, yeah. Now the, the, the people who do the crawlers, they do also print the bottles, labels. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So they're great. And that we've worked with them for four years now. And I, I know I don't have to get any like test prints. I just know I send stuff off and get the proof in an email and it's good yeah, to go. That's um, good to go. Yeah. So yeah, I uh, can't say enough good stuff about them. It's very easy to work with. So. That's awesome. Yeah. Now the we were talking before the farmers market. How did that, how did that, how did that come to be? Um, like I think it's pretty the, even that. Like I think selling beer at a farmers market. Is, yeah, it's something we always want. I mean, from when we opened five years ago, it's. Remember, uh, it was Lawson's Finest was I think selling at farmers markets. Yeah. And man, that seems so so cool. I wish we could do that. And it was not legal at the time, um, but it just seems seems so natural for a brewery, just to be able to go to. This, place where people are selling fresh produce and stuff and just set up a stand and sell beer, you know, and like not pour beer, you're not opening a bar, you're just selling right. a product that someone's going to take home. Um, but it wasn't until they changed the law like a year ago that we were allowed to do that. Um, and there's some advanced notice on that, like we knew like a year ago in May that that was going to happen in August. So we're like, you know, how can we, what should we do? We don't want to just... We don't want to just lug a bunch of kegs to the farmers markets and sell or fill growlers and you know so how can we differentiate ourselves and we didn't we didn't have money for a canning line at the time so we decided to just get a crowler seamer and uh, start doing those and it just, just kind of really took off um because yeah, that was my next question that correlation is pretty it's pretty tight to when the farmers market yeah yeah the, the crowd so we, we bought that the crowd machine for the farmer's market specifically. Okay. Um, so, and at first we would just fill some and take them to the markets and if we had any left over, we would bring them back and sell them here. But now we fill a whole bunch and take some to the market and leave some here. So every Saturday we have a new one, um, which is pretty cool. That is cool um, again, yeah. And it's another outlet for the artwork. I mean, when we first started, we had two labels and we would do like an IPA and then a Cezanne. And I just did like a thousand labels, one, you know, one for IPA, one for Cezanne. And they're really cool and love those labels, but found that, you know, with the Instagram world, 
when every week you post the same picture, or not the same picture, but the same label. You People know. think it's the same beer that's exactly. left over. Like, oh, yeah. You, yeah. Right, right. Even though you say, like, yeah, this week's beer <laughs> is, you know. Um, but you can't blame them for seeing that same picture, you know, because most people just scroll through. Um, so then we decided to start doing new artwork every week. Um, and that's sort of when they really took off, I think. Yeah, Jared just comes tap you. Okay, you got to <laughs> you gotta come out with uh, new beers, new right, labels right. every week. Yeah, which is it was exciting for me. I mean, you know, the bottles we do, like, once a month or so, so those don't keep me as busy, but the crowd right. labels definitely do. You draw the glassware and all that. I do, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, what's the story with the, the underwear, the three-legged <laughs> underwear, man? Four-legged. Um, Four-legged, excuse yeah, me. Yeah, that started with this beer. Uh, we did a beer with McKenzie's, or McKenzie Brewhouse and Almanac. It's like two years ago okay. when CBC was in Philly. Um, Almanac sent a bunch of beer out, and McKenzie brought a bunch of beer over, and we blended beer together. And... Uh, it was a pretty quick turnaround for that beer. It wasn't like we were, because a lot of those beers that we blended were already barrel aged. They already had some of the funky sourness to them. So we really just had to like bottle it, and condition it, and then we we're gonna serve it during Philly Beer Week, I think it was. Um, so we needed a label pretty quickly, and I think that was the first collaboration we did. And we weren't sure, like, you know, since our bottled beers have like a story and they're all they're like very close knit, we're like, well, this is like, it's like a bastard beer. Like, does it fit in? Do we work it in with the story or not? Um, so we decided to take some of the themes, like the wooden stage and weird backdrops, and then just like, we were like, well, there are four of us, let's just do like four legs and underwear. Um, <laughs> yeah. And it's this awesome image that we came up with, and that was one of the fastest labels I ever did. It turned it, did like, went from idea to finished label in one day, and the image just cracks us up. And, yeah, it's so know, funny. It's, I, don't even know, I was like, yeah. I don't know what the story is, but. Yeah. I mean, tell you what, these are hilarious, and it's just like. <laughs> Why not? So then we started to just be more playful with our glassware instead of just like having Forest Domain on it. Right. You know, just like, hey, let's just get a new glass every month or two. Um, more often because people steal them a lot. Um, we stopped serving them now. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was one of our favorites. And it's a cool image because it's like four legs, or I guess eight legs, but it, from a distance it kind of turns and it's arch like it looks like a bridge right yeah of. yeah it does look like a bridge yeah like a suspension yeah. bridge yeah. but yeah that's been a big big hit with people yeah it's a big hit you know? i'm always like oh yeah just like it's it's a cool industry where it's like i don't know how many other industries you could like put four men in underwear on something and, it's like, and people want it people like, like it. yeah like yeah. Uh, you're out exactly. of the underwear dudes it's yeah. like yeah like it has nothing to do with our brand or our place or anything but it's just yeah it's a fun image and you know Nothing sacred, so yeah, yeah. I think it's, and especially yeah. I think it's just really it's 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 beer's fun, you know, and it's, right. uh, And I like the fact that it's collaboration, so it's kind of you know, it's, you yeah, know, working together. It's got some meaning. It doesn't have a lot of meaning, but it's got some. Well, right, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think you know, it's like a like a potato, like a weird potato race. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So, do you guys do a lot of collaborations? Is that something that we started doing them more and more? Yeah. Um, we're, uh, yeah, we're lucky. CBC that year was big for us, and we just, I think that was the year we also made the list of um, rapier best 100 brewers in the world. Okay. Um, which kind of put us in a lot of people's ears. You know, we, so we had Cloudwater from the UK come brew with us that year um, during CBC, and then they brewed with us again the year after, and then we're going over there in September to brew. And uh, Jester King came up, and... Modern Times, 
um, so yeah, we're just we're very humbled to have these people approach us and yeah. want to come spend a long brew day in our tiny brewery and yeah. you know, um, now we just have to find the time to go you know, return return well they return the favor by inviting us so, right you know, I now I, I've read they asked when you were in the UK who where did you where did you work um, I went to school at the University of Sunderland um, they have a program called Brew Lab okay there um, so it's south of Newcastle so it's northeastern England um, and it was an emphasis on learning how to brew like traditional British beer. Um, so it wasn't like a brew school per se. Like they didn't teach you how to brew. Right. They taught you how to make cast beer properly. Um, so it's like just a crash course in you know all things British beer. Yeah. And then did a couple of work studies over there. Um, York Brewery, Durham Brewery. Uh, there's another one I forget. But okay. Um, just like day work placements at different places. That's pretty cool. But yeah. It was awesome. Really kind of changed my whole outlook on making beer. Um, I think it, the homebrew way is to make things as complicated as you can, and you know, which is great because you learn how to control everything. But then I think the British method is not that you don't control things, but you just embrace the simplicity of beer. You know, just strip everything to its roots, simplify your recipes, simplify your process, and just make beer, basic beer, and make it yeah. right. That's when I was in Holland. It was really mm -hmm. weird that the IPA kind of was taking over there. Yeah. It was like really majority of the you know bars had a, a couple of them mm -hmm. and they were like even one place had they called it a new england style and right. i was like it was just kind of it was just weird it was just weird to me like i was okay with going over there and just like i was ready to have like yes just some simple Pilsner. beers yeah. and yeah it just, right. so that was like i gotta try it and it was yes. like it was, it was like uh like you don't have to do that cause, just because you can yeah. yeah but it's exciting to them i mean I, I remember when i was in england it was 2009 and they were really excited about just american hops you know yeah um you know, New England IPA did, didn't exist at that point. They were still making traditional IPAs right. and traditional British IPAs, but using American hops. And it's just it's so new to them and so exciting. Um, yeah. I feel like the same is probably true for Yeah, because I went to a bar, and it was a it was like American beer bar. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I have to check this out. And to be honest, they, it was better than the amount of beers they yeah. had. And they were fresh that, like, because they weren't confined by the distribution. Right, so right. So people just, they would just send it over. So they'd have stuff you'd only get in the Midwest, this and that. It, right. it was awesome. And I brought over a couple of beers with me because I did an, I did a, a, a trade with somebody in person over there. And so I okay. brought a couple extra when we did the bar, like uh, you know, Trillium and Hill Farmstead. And awesome. it was just like, we, it was nice. You know, we, we, it was like the, that's why I collect, that's why I trade beer and drink mm -hmm. beers to the communal aspect of it. Yeah, that's great. I do wish my wife liked uh, beer a little more, but you know, she kind of warms up a little more of the, the funkier stuff. Okay, nice. Yeah, closer to like the wines. And yeah. That. She thinks hops taste like soap, which I don't. <laughs> I don't get, but um, yeah, never get that either. Yeah, I don't get that either. But oh. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. But yeah, more does, does your wife? Did, yeah, right. Does your wife enjoy beer? She did until she was diagnosed uh, celiac. Oh. So yeah, right after we became engaged, she. So you have to make that gluten-free beer. Well, I should, but yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Why did that? Uh, yeah, I, I wouldn't <laughs> trust anything that comes out of our brewery um, for being free of gluten. Yeah. I'm just too tiny, and you know. Um, but uh, a lot of better options nowadays than yeah. five years ago when she was diagnosed. Um, yeah, I think it was like Heineken was the only one, right? Maybe. I mean, or maybe a lot of the big brewers use some enzyme so that even though they don't advertise their beers gluten-free, a lot of them test under the certain level. So maybe mm -hmm. Heineken was. Yeah, um, I think it was, it was something surprisingly. I had a friend of mine. Yeah. And it was something that was surprisingly uh, macro that was. Right, right. And I don't think it was. Like you're saying, I don't think it was by design. I think yeah, it was like, it, hey, this mm -hmm. is, you know, and so I think in that culture, yeah. you know, you kind of help each other out. Yeah. Even that, again, keep going back to the internet, but, you know, 
hey, this and this and this. And people, right, right. But even now, like being able to test things, like you can test things way more than yeah, you ever, pretty could, cool. ever could before. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife's a science teacher, so okay. we love the. Yeah, when I tried to homebrew, she was the um, the sterilization you know, police. Nice. I was like, oh yeah, we're all good. And she's yeah. like, she's like, did you do this? She's working a lab. Did you yeah. do this and this? And what oh, about man. these? And how'd you? And I just said, oh, I don't know what you just said. <laughs> I was like, can you please help me? Yeah, yeah. So when you were talking about all the, yeah. the intricacies of it, I had a few exploders and a few you know, volatiles. Yeah. Not measuring the, the gravity properly. So. <laughs> do you still homebrew at all? No, I think I mean I have I have the kits, and but I, I haven't I get the the real estate in the in the kitchen. Yeah, and now doing this, I mean, this is probably you know, ten plus hours a week I put in doing this. So, yeah. two yeah, two nights a week I probably stay up till you know the sun comes up and just do it that wow. do work on it. Not the sun, but yeah, maybe nice. like two or three in the morning. Well, shows. Well, thank you. Now, when you're like you're, you're creative, you're talking about live music going to be over there. Is there what, what kind of tunes you listen to? What's a uh, um, pretty varied in what I listen to. Um, I'm kind of hoping you're going to turn me on to something cool yeah, today. Um, no pressure, but I'm just kind of curious. Ben really into this, I want to say band, but I think it's just one guy, Sun Ra. Okay. It's S-U-N, uh, second word, A-R-A-W. Um, okay. So, uh, sort of like, I don't even know how to describe it. Um, kind of like ambient, but with more of a beat. Um, so not really ambient at all, but in more in that vein. Um, right. And then uh, let's do a lot of like psychedelic rock. Um, okay. So Carlton Melton's one of my favorites. Um, okay. It's this band from California. Apparently, every time they record, they just drop acid and play. And they go into this geodesic dome and uh, just improvise and kind of cut it down from there. Um, That's great. Have you seen the new uh, The Grateful Dead? Yes. Long Strange Trip. I love that. Yeah. I actually wasn't really a Dead fan until I started watching that. I always like appreciated them, but. It was never really into them, and then uh, my wife and I watched that and blew through it in like five nights. Yeah, um, and I mean, I've been really into them. Since yeah, I'm big then. into Fish is my band, the mm-hmm. Dead is my wife's band, and she got to see Jerry. I've seen all the incantations nice. since, but I was like, oh, is this just gonna be like drugs and like noodling right, right. guitar? And it was like it was a beautiful story of like Ameri- really American history almost. Yeah. I thought like because mm-hmm. the way it, it really the the music time just almost was like the soundtrack. It didn't. Really, I mean. It was amazing to go through all those periods of life. Yeah. I never knew so much of the, the history. I like, never knew Phil Lesh was like a uh, classical yeah. composer, I guess. Yeah, he was like, like a... I think yeah, yeah, yeah. The Wall of Sound, even that was... That like, was ama- amazing. That was amazing to me. How did they do that? And speaking of, like staying up all night, like the amount of time that... They did the math, right? It was like two hours in a day that they weren't like yeah. taking it or putting it away. They had me floored when they were like, you know, they had to show up at like so, you know, so many hours before the band played. And then it wasn't until I was like, wait, but then they have to take it all down. So like the band's yeah. done. They have yeah. like another five hours of taking it down. It was crazy. But, yeah, because if you go to a show like you know, big arena, you're like, okay, well it's union, you know it's gonna be over at eleven. Right, right. And then the fact they convinced these guys that like five hours before they're gonna put it up and yeah. then they played the Sphinx in Egypt. Oh my know? gosh. Yeah. Meanwhile they're on yeah, a bunch of different substances and Yeah. I mean that's what I was thinking that you said with the the band with the acid test, like yeah. just the fact that and even the fact they recorded everything. Yeah. Like that in that itself. Was yeah. Yeah. My favorite moment of the show is when I was a sound guy in like the 72 tour of Europe. He like snuck out of the, the bus. He was never supposed to leave the recording equipment going without watching it. He like snuck in and I guess Jerry was soloing during Morning Dew. Yeah. And he like the song. He said like Jerry turned around and there was just like tears running down his face. He's like, you're here. Yeah. Like you just be here. And and it's like, all this yeah, happening. Yeah, exactly. He's like, yeah, Jerry wasn't mad. He was just happy. He's like, 
That's the saddest part of the whole thing. Is like it just builds mm-hmm. up to the fact that Jerry just wanted to be a normal guy. Right, like, right. like you're a beer at the bar moment, right? Mm-hmm. Like he just wants to yeah. play music and make people happy. He never really took a stand on anything. Not because he didn't have opinions, but right. he didn't want to tell people where to where to let the universe take them. And so, yeah, that's the saddest part of the whole thing. Yeah, it's a beautiful story, though. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's what I first thought of. But yeah, that was great. I thought, I, yeah, it was Martin Scorsese. So I mean, I think yeah. it was. I think it was amazingly done. So yeah, I've been listening to Dead more since then. Um, yeah. But, uh, and then I've just always been into jazz. Um, okay. Big jazz fan, big Miles Davis fan, uh, Coltrane. Right. All that stuff. Yeah. So. Now, do you have certain like certain labels, certain music? Yeah, I feel like uh, I mean, d- with the Crowler watercolor labels are d- definitely a little more ambient, psych yeah. rock. You know, little, kind of more out there, kind yeah. of match the bleeding colors and yeah. So because you know. <laughs> yeah, because back in the day, right, with technology to do the the blotter on the screen, right, right. they had to do the the oils like this. Yeah, yeah. Which is, I've actually done that once to make a projection. It's yeah. Pretty cool. Yeah. Right. Um, so yeah, definitely more like psychedelic stuff for that. Um, and then uh, with like the bottle labels, like they're much more long processes. So sometimes just put the classical station on. And, Zone out to that. Um, oh yeah, now I'm like, I want to go back and find all these labels and try to see the story. Yeah, right. <laughs> I think, yeah, I don't know if that's um, common knowledge, but I'm pretty excited to kind of see where. I, I do feel like the the guy doesn't fit in the brewing world that I don't really listen to metal at all. Um, but right, I mean, not... I, I love everyone I spoke to. If you're listening, thank mm-hmm. you. But I've met more people listening to metal in my in the last it, it, it's six months. About the brewing world, that it's yeah, I don't know, but it's like it's not kind, it's not like light metal either. It's no, like no, no, very yeah. aggressive. I've gotten into some of our, our assistant brewer, Zach, is, he knows every type of music under the sun, but he's really into metal. And he's turned me on to some of the bands that are like less, you know, Yeah, it's hard for me when I, metal. It's hard, I think when the voice becomes like physically, like, I'm, I, I yes. I'm like, how do I sing it? And I think like, that's going to hurt me to sing right. it. I can't get that's it. That's where I lose it. Um, but like, if it's like, and like, I, I can get like, kind of, almost yeah. like, like, like rock out to it. Yeah, like, I appreciate I'm, like the, the, the precision of yeah, the shorten the, the, the intensity yeah. of it but like when it's like mm-hmm. like my my nephew was really big into uh, screamo or whatever for a while thank god he's not anymore <laughs> right. but like the concerts would be like 20 minutes long they oh play like gosh. you know because yeah. it's like you can't do much more than that yeah they kick the shit out of each other yeah, yeah. and then like that was it like i'm like did you have a concussion right. i think that was good or yeah the metal thing is kind of yeah that's been blowing my mind actually yes it's I, I appreciate some of it. Sleep is one band that I kind of like, but even okay. their vocals lose me a little bit. Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. Yeah, I can, uh, yeah. That's why I think I, like. My wife likes the Dead because of the stories, not necessarily of the twenty mm-hmm. plus minutes of right. noodling. So I, was, I, I just like I like the Americana vibe of it. That's kind of yeah. what I always find myself going back to. Yeah, but I, I always go on different kicks where I listen to nothing but this one band for like two weeks. Yeah. Oh, that's why I'm excited. I mean, like, I'm gonna miss my family. I mean, I'm on the road for a few days. It'd be kind of nice just to not have to listen to, you know, Captain Underpants soundtrack and <laughs> whatever else, <laughs> which was a surprisingly good movie. I was trying to get my daughter to watch that that night, and she didn't want to. So. It was, I mean, just tons of fart jokes yeah. and like, it's which is it was perfect. What's not all about <laughs> fart jokes? They do the 18, 18, 12 overture. Oh my gosh! To farts <laughs> with whoopee cushions. So Beautiful. sorry, spoiler. <laughs> sorry, folks. That's yeah. Great. So, all right. Well, uh, thanks so much, Daniel. I mean, oh, I really, yeah, this is great. Yeah. I really, this is, this is why, this is why I did this. And so, I awesome. think just thank you for validating that and being supportive, and yeah, just really just being a, you know, being into it, and it means a lot. I dig, I dig your work. Oh, thank you, thank you.
and uh, I'm really happy that I got to come here today when you're kind of almost like breaking ground in a new place. So yeah, it's, yeah. it's really, really yeah. exciting. So, yeah. Yeah, I'll give it a tour after this. All right. Keep doing what you're doing. I'm really enjoying it. I sit here and do paintings and listen to it. So. Oh, that's so awesome. Keep this it is up. so great. Well, Thank thanks you. everybody, and we'll uh, see you next week. And there you have it, folks. The one and only Daniel Endicott. The essential Daniel Endicott. Right here on the 16-ounce canvas. It was a great time. I really enjoyed it. There's a lot of interesting pieces to it. I love that he creates art every day. That's one thing that, from the moment we did that, really resonated with me. I think that while I can't maybe create art every day, I can try to do something you know, positive or make a change or do something to make the world a better place. I know it's a little, little hippie-ish, but I fucking love it. Uh, yeah, I'm not going to apologize for that. So that really resonated with me as a, as a father, you know, with young children. You know, I think we connected there and just my appreciation for his art. And one thing which I really would like somebody to crack the case if you're out there is the story. So I'm hoping there's a few Forest and Main hardcore fans out there who maybe have all of the releases or have pictures of them so that we can put that story together. But I think that if we crack the case on that story, get get him and Gerard to let us help them put that book out. So that's a kind of a, a geeky thing. But once he told me that, I was trying. I mean, every time I look at, I look at the labels, I'm like, okay, there's the woman sitting in the rocking chair. What is she doing having that beer? Okay, and then there's the Iron Fist that's coming through. And, you know, you have the, the, the bird face. So, I don't know. I don't know if I'll ever crack it. But I definitely will be lining up to, to order one of the books there. So, if you haven't had a chance to, check out the website, DanielEndicott.com. That is his website, and it's really great. You can order some of the prints. You can, you know, learn more about what he's up to. I'm really proud to say that we have... A original Daniel Endicott in my house. It's it's a beautiful watercolor that we have and I love. You know, it's great. And also you can check him out on his Instagram, Dan End81. So Dan him and a shortened version of Endicott 81. Which means he's a lot younger than I am, so that makes me feel old. But we're not 40 yet, folks. So we're gonna keep grinding and keep moving. But remember you're listening to 16 Ounce Canvas, the Art of Craft Beer podcast, and we thank you very much. We're happy to be here. We are having a great time. I could not have wished for this to go any better, and we're just going to keep riding this thing out into the sunset. So we got a lot more in the works. We're reaching out to more artists every day. We're looking for recommendations. Don't be a stranger. We're trying to build a community. Remember, September, doodle or die. More artists, our next 12 packs about to start doing some interviews on the regular. Stay in touch with us on Instagram. We're trying to be as socially media active as well as socially active as possible. And we'd love to hear from you. AJ is me at 16ozcanvas.com. That's my email address. Goes right to me. A part of the collective we, but really just a first person we. It's we, myself, and I. Just we, myself, and I. I'm going to make that my, my tagline, just we, myself, and I. Who knows? But anyway, thank you. Until next week, enjoy the long weekend. Crack a few cold ones. 
hold it a little longer, appreciate the artist, the hard work that went there, and just kind of a, to bring it full circle, appreciate the brewery. Now, if we're not a beer podcast in the way, we're not going to talk about the hops and the profiles and this and that, but the breweries of those artists who are working with those artists, they put a little extra money into that, put a little extra, extra time into that, and they thought about it as an art. And they saw that beer making was an art, and they also saw they wanted to be lined up with an artist. And so that was a really conscious decision, that extra money, especially when a lot of these breweries are trying to, you know, get up and running. It's a, you know, it, you know, it could be a barrel-to-barrel thing, you know, paycheck-to-paycheck. Who knows? It's a, it's a struggle. It's not easy and to, to get to that plateau, but to team up with an artist, two artists teaming up, two struggling artists at times teaming up, it, uh, it means a lot. So take a moment to appreciate that, appreciate the artists that bring them to life. And uh, appreciate us. So high fives all around, and uh, we'll see you guys next week. Thanks again. Cheers. You're listening to WCAN, the campus. Exclusive here, folks. Now, just interjecting right here. We can't talk about Morning Dew 72. Play it as the underbed under our discussion there at the end and just not let it play out. So if you're wondering, we've made the executive decision to play the rest of Morning Dew 72 right here on the 16-ounce canvas. Back in the day, I used to be at a radio station, 88.5, the BVUF. My show is called Sharing in the Groove. And this is how we do it every week. You're listening to 88.5 WVOF, the voice of Fairfield. My name is AJ. I'm your host here, and you are Sharing in the Groove. So right now, we're going to take you back to 1972. Europe, to be specific, and our good friends, the Grateful Dead. With morning dew. Enjoy.
to dust.